Hi, everybody. This is Jimmy DeYoung. Thank you for taking a moment to join us as we take a look at the book. We're going to be studying about the alignment of the nations. God brought the nations into existence about 4,500 years ago. It was soon after the flood when Nimrod, in defiance and disobedience to God, went to a place on the Euphrates River called Babylon, and he established his kingdom, a one-world government under a one-world power, his name King Nimrod. Well, you'll find out all about that, and then how God spread mankind across the world and established the nations. By the way, in the book of Genesis, we see the beginnings of how the nations would align themselves against the Jewish nation of Israel in the last days. That's what this series is all about. It's a five-hour audio series on CD entitled Alignment of the Nations. We're going to take a moment right now and listen to the third in the five-hour series entitled Ishmael to Islam. We'll come to a better understanding of how Abraham's first son would be the father, not of the Arab world, but of the Islamic world. This is a study that you need to have to understand the times in which we're living. Let's listen now to Ishmael to Islam, and we'll come back and tell you how you can get your own series from our website or by calling our toll-free number. But right now, Ishmael to Islam. So at 75 years of age, he makes his way into the land, having been promised by God that God was going to make him a blessing to all the peoples of the earth. He was going to give him a people, a nation. He was going to give him a son who would rule that nation through all his generations. He makes the promises to him right here, and there'll be a spiritual blessing as far as these people are concerned. He brings this Gentile into the land of Israel, has in his mind exactly what he's going to do. Remember we talked about uh, the first time the alignment of the nation, or actually the origin of the nation, the organization, how they were put together. But he's going to establish now the Jewish people to have that ministry of telling them about a holy, pure, perfect, almighty God having that ministry of telling them, giving testimony of the blessing received when you're obedient to that true, perfect, almighty, holy God. They would not only have the ministry, they would get the message, the message of the word of God, 66 books that they would preserve and that they would transmit to the entire world. And he would give them, of course, through the loins of a beautiful Israeli woman, the Messiah one of these days. And so the nation of Israel is established. In the 14th chapter, 13th verse of the book of Genesis, we see that God now refers to Abraham as a Hebrew. Abraham the Hebrew, the first time that word is used in the Bible. Then you go to the 32nd chapter. You don't have to go to these chapters. I'll just tell you where they are. You go to the 32nd chapter of the book of Genesis, and we see that he takes Abraham's grandson, Jacob, and he makes him the first Israelite. He changes his name from Jacob to Israel. And Israel, I will fight for you. I will change your name. I will take charge of you. And then his great-grandson, who is Judah, 2 Kings chapter 16, verse 6, he calls him the first Jew. And that's the first time the word Jew is used in the word of God. So the Jewish people are established. That's how, after the call of Abraham. Now look at the 15th chapter. We see the call of Abraham. He comes in, he establishes at least the beginnings of the Jewish nation. The 15th chapter of the book of Genesis, God is going to give Abraham 
uh, absolute guarantee, as they say down in Louisiana, an absolute guarantee that God is going to fulfill the promises he makes to him. And he uh, sets up and gives him the Abrahamic covenant. In the 15th chapter of the book of Genesis, he is going to do what they call a blood covenant. He's going to, he tells Abraham to get a heifer of three years of age, a goat of three years of age, and a ram of three years of age, get a turtle dove and a pigeon, bring them out to the field. Now, what they did in a blood covenant was you would take these, this uh, heifer of three years of age, the ram, and the goat of three years of age. You would split these animals down the middle, setting pieces separate from them, leaving a, a little trail in between them. Then you would take a turtle dove and a pigeon and lay it here. You would then clasp arms, and you would walk between the turtle dove and the pigeon, and the divided ram, goat, and heifer. And as you walked through these divided animals, you would make a statement to the one you were clasped arms together. You would say to them, if I break this promise, I want you to cut me asunder just like we have divided these animals. And it'll have to happen to me. And so... He was going to walk through with Abraham, making his blood covenant promise to him. But before he and Abraham could clasp arms and walk through, God puts Abraham to sleep. And I believe it was Jesus Christ, not God the Father. Because you see, he was going to be able to clasp arms with him. I believe it was the pre-incarnate appearance of one of them, many of them. He's throughout the entire Old Testament. Moses saw Jesus Christ. Daniel saw Jesus Christ. Ezekiel saw Jesus Christ. Joseph saw Jesus Christ. Because they saw God. And John chapter 1 says, no man sees God and lives. So if they saw God, they had to see that person of the Trinity known as the Son. And here Jesus was ready to go, and Jesus puts Abraham to sleep. And then Jesus, representing the Trinity, walks between these animals that have been cut asunder to make a promise. The Abrahamic covenant, it has not been completely fulfilled at this point. My friend, it must be completely fulfilled. Let me tell you why. If God can break that covenant to Abraham, he can break any promise he's ever made to me about eternal life. And he can't break his promise to me and he can't break his promise to Abraham. He's going to complete that promise. He's going to fulfill it just like he said. So you have the call of Abraham, the establishment of the Jewish people. You have the covenant, the promise that I'm going to do exactly what I said I'm going to do. Here in the 15th chapter, he gives him an idea of the property he's going to have. It's going to extend from the river near Egypt, the Nile River, all the way through what we know is, well, the Sinai Desert, modern-day Israel, the state of Lebanon, all the way to the Euphrates River. It will extend down the Euphrates River, taking in all of what we know as modern-day Syria, half of modern-day Iraq. It'll go to the Persian Gulf at the end of the Euphrates River, go south then. It will take in half of Saudi Arabia, all of the Sinai Peninsula, and back around. In fact, what I just said to you, Israel has less than 10% of what God's promised to give them. And he made a blood covenant. In the 15th chapter of the book of Genesis, he's got to fulfill to give them that land. President Assad of Syria the other day said, hey, let me tell you what's wrong in the Middle East. These Jews believe the Bible. 
They believe God's going to give them all of this land. I guarantee he's going to do exactly that. And that's what he's opened up to promise, the covenant. But now we come from the 15th chapter to the 16th chapter, and we see the concerns of Abraham. Remember when he was 75 years old? God said, I'll give you a son. I'll give you a heritage. You're going to have a nation. Remember what it said in the last verse of chapter 11 of the book of Genesis? And Sarai was barren, had no children. She's 10 years younger. That was at 65. <laughs> I don't know too many 65-year-olds having kids now anyway. And so she thought that was a little bit funny, you know. But she said, okay, I'll go along with it. That's what he says, you know. I don't know how I'm going to pull it together. I'm not even sure I can nurse this baby or anything else, but I'll go along with it. And then, he's now 86 years old. I mean, it's been 11 years after the promise. Nothing's happening. He doesn't know what in the world's going on. Sarah's getting a little anxious because she knows that God made a promise to Abraham, and she's not coming through. What in the world is she going to do? we got the 16th chapter of the book of Genesis now. Now, Sarai, Abram's wife, bare him no children, and she had a handmaiden, an Egyptian, whose name was Hagar. Now, there is proof text, again, that Ishmael did not father the Arab world. I'm talking about Ishmael the father, and I'm going to show you who he is the father of in just a moment. But he wasn't the father of the Egyptians. That's an absolute guarantee. In fact, later on, Hagar, his mother, gets an Egyptian from her hometown, brains over this Egyptian young lady, and Hagar marries her. It's pretty tough to be the father of your brother and your wife. Have you ever tried that? It's almost impossible to do that. Anyway, so here they come, an Egyptian handmaiden, whose name was Hagar, and Sarai said unto Abram, Behold, now the Lord hath uh, restrained me from bearing. I pray thee, go into my maid. It may be that I may obtain ch children by her. And Abram hearkened unto the voice of Sarai. At this point in this culture, in this time in history, it was looked upon favorably if a wife could not have a child that her handmaiden would be able to go into her husband, and the handmaiden, if she conceived, would then give up the child. And if the father would say, uh, this is my son, he would then become his official son. He would, by adoption, become his son. Now, this was not the plan of God. God's going to repudiate this. But this was the culture at that time. And so Sarai is mentioning this, saying, all right, here's what we need to do. And Abraham says, I'm going to go along with it. Verse 3, and Sarai, Abraham's wife, took Hagar, her maid, uh, the Egyptian, after Abraham had dwelt ten years in the land of Canaan, and gave her to her husband, Abram, to be his wife. And he went in unto Hagar, and she conceived. And when she saw that she had conceived, her mistress was despised in her eyes. Uh, here Hagar has Abraham's child and says, well, who do you think you are, Sarai? You couldn't do it. You're nothing. I'm more important. Verse 5, And Sarai said unto Abram, My 
wrong be upon thee I have given my maid into the bosom and when she saw that she had conceived I was despised in her eyes and the Lord judged between me and thee and Abraham said unto Sarai behold I made as in thy hand do to her as it pleaseth thee and when Sarai dwelt hardly with her she fled from the face and she goes away because she realizes how it could be how bad it could be living in the household with Abraham and Sarah but again Jesus Christ appears this time Jesus Christ appears to Hagar Verse 7, and the angel of the Lord found her by, and I'm not developing this, I just submit to you that this is Jesus Christ. And the angel of the Lord, or Jesus Christ, found her by a fountain of water in the wilderness, by the fountain in the way of Shur, and he said unto Hagar, Sarai's maid, whence comest thou, and whither wilt thou go? And she said, I flee from the face of my mistress Sarai. The angel of the Lord said unto her, Return to thy mistress and submit thyself unto her hands. And the angel of the Lord said unto her, I will multiply thy seed exceedingly, that it should not be numbered for multitude. And the angel of the Lord said unto her, Behold, thou art with child, and shall bear a son, and shall call his name Ishmael, which means God shall hear. Because the Lord hath heard thy affliction. And so we see the narrative of the beginning of the person of Ishmael. Conceived through an adulterous relationship with Abraham. Because Sarai and Abraham were not patient enough to wait for the fulfillment of the promise of God. Boy, there's some practical application there, folks. We get impatient. We get ahead of God. God has a plan, a perfect plan, who he lays it up. Well, you can take it and go from there. Thank you for taking a moment to take a look at the book with us. This is the third in a study from a five-part audio series on CD entitled Alignment of the Nations. The other studies would include Mankind's Master Plan, Satan's Subtle Strategy, Alignment of the Nations, and Here Comes the Antichrist. This all available on this five-hour audio series on CD entitled Alignment of the Nations. If you'd like to have your own copy, call our toll-free number, 877-674-3298. They'll be able to tell you how you can make your order of Alignment of the Nations. Or you can go to our website, www.prophecytoday.com, and make your order that way. Thank you so very much for being a part of our study as we have taken a moment to take a look at the book. I'm Jimmy DeYoung. I want to remind you everything that we've talked about on this particular study of prophecy indicates that the rapture could happen at any moment. Jesus to shout, the archangel to shout, the trumpet of God to sound, and those of us who know Christ caught up to be with him in the air forevermore. And having said that, there is nothing left for me to say except let's keep looking up until...